Welcome to another episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work live online podcast. And today I'm joined by someone that's actually a huge inspiration for me and almost like a virtual mentor, Cheryl Cran. Cheryl has been named the number one future of work influencer and is the top 10 of future work influencers. AT&T said Cheryl is a rock star keynote speaker, has a long-term successful track record with clients that include small, medium, and Fortune 500 businesses. She launched her leadership and business consulting firm in 1997, has grown it into a top-performing future work consultancy, nextmapping.com. She is the author and the bestseller of Next Mapping, which I've read, Anticipate, Navigate, and Create the Future of Work, as well as The Art of Change Leadership driving transformation in a fast-paced world, and five other books on business and leadership. Cheryl's a globally known for Hall of Fame keynote speaker, speaking over a dozen countries for hundreds of events and thousands of clients. Cheryl Cran's firm, nextmapping.com, provides proven strategies to help leaders, teams, and entrepreneurs anticipate trends, navigate the fast pace of change, and create next-level success for the future. And they also provide multiple solutions for clients to fast-forward their success, including keynote coaching consultancy and online programs and today i'm really excited because cheryl and i are going to dig in on a huge topic which i think is super relevant given our current time and that's about crisis leading through a crisis so without further ado i want to bring cheryl on to the show cheryl how is it going hey tim love your energy <laughs> love being hanging out with you it's good how about you it's going good it's going good yeah. so talk to us a little bit about where you are doing this podcast from well, this is my home office in Vancouver, BC. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, uh, you're in, where are you again? LA? I am, I'm actually currently in Houston right now. Oh, there, Houston. See, we can't <laughs> keep track of each other. Yeah. So, uh, although with like home for me is Vancouver, BC, and with, uh, we're social distancing and social, mm. doing all the social uh, things we're doing with this yeah, coronavirus yeah. that we're in. Yeah. So, how yeah. have you been hanging in there with all of this going on around COVID 19? Well, probably just like everyone else, it's like, yeah. it's a range, it's a range of emotions. Like I, you yeah. know, I have to say that there are times when I feel uh, very encouraged when I see the good news stories of our frontline workers and, yeah. you know, the nurses and the doctors and all the positive things that people are doing as a result of this. But then I've also had the feelings of like, just when's this all going to be over yeah. or, 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 you know, what's going to happen when it is over and what's the new normal or at mm. next mapping, what's the next normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but also, uh, you know, just acknowledging the range of emotions, like sadness, mm. almost like I think at collectively, we're almost going through a grieving process, to be very yeah. honest. Um, yeah. So it's, there's a there is a range of emotions. I, I'm very grateful that, um, you know, I stay connected with people that inspire me and, and keep mm. me help me keep focused on the future. But also, you know, meditating, uh, going for walks with my dog, just balancing the work with that self care time, I think is really important for people. Yeah. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit about your work. You know, I would love for you to share with our awesome community. How long have you been doing the work that you do with Next Mapping, but really in business and technology? Because you have been really a pioneer for what a, for a, for what's going on right now for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had our consulting firm for over 20 years, but wow. the Next Mapping focus was really established about five years ago. Uh, when we, a lot of my, like my, one of my first books was say what you mean, mean what you say. And then I wrote a generation yeah. book in 2010 
called 101 Ways to Make Generations X, Y, and Zoomers Happy at Work. In 2010, we predicted the mm. remote work statistics that are happening now. We predicted the digital transformation. We predicted the amount of change that leaders and teams would and entrepreneurs would be going through. Um, so we, we branded our company Next Mapping five years ago and really then started to do a lot more, invest a lot more in research and data and working with both digital and traditional organizations and helping them make the changes necessary to be future of work ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and this was 10 years ago that you all predicted this and it's happening now at, a, I think, a more scaled pace. You yeah. know, and I would love for you to kind of share a little bit of how about how are you feeling in terms of what leadership should look like right now, given what's going on? It's a great question, Tim, because right now, if we ever needed inspirational leaders, now yeah. is the time. And and when I say inspirational, um, along with being inspirational is the ability to model agility, flexibility, adaptability, mm. the ability to lead change rather than react to change. Um, and notice, knowing that leaders, we're all people. Mm. So whether you're, you have the leadership title or not, we have the ability to lead the change agility that's being requ requested of us right now. And I think anytime a disruption happens, and coronavirus clearly is a major disruption, but also a forced change, mm. what it causes people to do is to go through the cycles of change. So the first is denial, avoidance. We want to make, you know, we want to hope that everything goes back to what it was. And then mm. the next stage is, um, you know, defensive, you know, why the remote work is never going to work or all the defenses that people want to come up with. And then the third stage is creativity and adaptability. We start to look at how do we make the most out of what's happening. And mm. then the final, final stage is preparing for the future, you know, really planning and preparing and saying, how do we take all the learnings of this current disruption as a leader and translate that into what we're going to do better for the future? So I think leaders right now that are demonstrating leadership are taking care of their workers by mm. know, keeping keeping them, even though they're not working their normal work. Um, yeah. leader, leaders who are motivating and inspiring their remote teams by video conferencing with them regularly and having regular video meetings. Leaders who are inspiring and sending notes of encouragement by text or by mm. instant message or through Slack or whatever the digital channels are. Leaders who are um, acknowledging that they themselves have their own emotional highs and lows. So being mm. authentic and transparent at, while modeling what it looks like to go through a change of this nature in a way that's elevated and showing that leadership. I think mm. leaders have a huge opportunity right now to really inspire the, the way forward. I love that. So inspirational leadership. And, you know, you're also touching on this idea of, Leaders being vulnerable enough to say that I don't know what's going on. It's really chaotic right now, but we'll push through together. Yeah, well, I think the days of the leader saying I've got it all handled, I have all the answers, <laughs> you know, I'm strong, I've got it all figured out. I think we all see through that, that that's actually not effective because mm. all that does is have us lack trust and trust. When you're going through a disruption of this nature, trust is gold. Trust not that it has never been in the past, but mm. when you're going through massive change, what we're looking to do is have a feeling of trust. And if I have a leader who's saying all the right things, but I notice mm. that there's an incongruency with the fact that they're not admitting that they too have, you know, some challenges or that they too have their high, highs and their lows, then that's not humanizing them for me. And I think leaders need to be more human than ever before, specifically with the rise of technology. We, we yeah. need leaders We need leaders who, yes, they need to be digitally mature, but we need them to also be leadership mature. Human. Yeah. Human so mature. I want to shout out and, and, and I want to show some love to a few 
of our amazing uh, audience members who are currently tuning in from all over the world. Shout out to Mike Yates, who is saying that this is a timely topic leading through crisis. So he's loving what you're dishing out, Cheryl. So I think he's really, it's really resonating with him. Also want to show love to the amazing... Who is this? Who is this? Who's who's tuning in? Megan, who's always tuning in. She's one of our number one fans on the show. Shout out to Megan, who is an awesome part of the Unleashing the Future of Work community. And also, Cheryl, you have a few fans here who are currently watching and find you to be amazing. Shout out to Marie and Valerie, who say Cheryl is a great thought leader in this space. So we definitely have the whole world tuning in. And shout out to Owen, who's tuning in from Washington, saying hello, BC. So, you know, I, if you all have any questions for Cheryl on what does compassionate leadership look like or how do leaders become more inspirational, please add it in the comments. You know, and to, to further what we were just talking about, Cheryl, you know, I think this idea of being human, like mm -hmm. in terms of how you leadership and how you model leadership, it's actually been something that has not been clear to most leaders, right, for a long time now. Do you feel as if there's now this re renaissance period of more human-like leadership? And I want to give you an example. So for I've been noticing that Airbnb, um, their current company, he's doing something really amazing. He's actually encouraging and empowering the platform to now create online experiences. And I think that speaks a lot to what you're talking about, being human and agile, right? And I feel as if it's CEOs like him who are really saying, like, this is what leadership looks like in the new era. Do you have any other examples? Well, I think anything that's open source. So some of these leaders that have like 3D printed masks and, and yeah. like, you know, what? like, so I think, and or reaching out and they they shifted, you know, alcohol distilleries have shifted from making alcohol to making hand sanitizer. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> so I think like, so any leadership that is people first focused mm. is, is the future of work. And I will mm. repeat that any leadership that is people first focused is the future of work. Because if we're, so the, look back to the last decade and where we were all in the midst of digital transformation and we really glamorized automation and AI mm. and robotics and made it like, it, and we still talk about it, it's still the future. But yeah. what I felt is what that did pre-pandemic, if I may share my perspective here, yeah. is it actually had a lot of leaders behaving like robots. <laughs> so, it's true. Right? Like data in, data out. If it doesn't measure, then you're not valuable. Like yeah. I'm being just really direct it's here. True. But so now we've got a situation where the whole world is put on pause. Yeah. And now we're going, yes, automation is important. Yes, AI is important. Yes, robotics are important. But hang on a second, we're people. Yeah. And unless the technology is focused on making the world a better place, unless the technology is beneficial for me, but also the we, mm. then there's no point in creating technology for the sake of having sexy technology. It That's has true. to be about humanizing the planet. And I get super, super excited about that because yeah. my next book is actually about this, Tim, is about yeah. the human future because it's because the more leaders that we can realize that we are human, we're not machines. Mm. We have emotions, which makes us distinctly human. We have the ability to empathize. We have the ability to connect. We have the ability to uh, create human to human. We have the ability to emote mm. human to human. The leaders that can heighten their emotional intelligence, the leaders who can heighten their essential human skills, mm. and I call them that on purpose. I feel like calling them people skills makes people not value them or calling yeah. them so soft skills. As soon as you call them soft skills, people go, well, they, they can't be important if they're soft. 
right? <laughs> so instead, it's essential human skills. And that means we all have to get better at not taking things personally, yeah. at being able to work in collaborative teams, at being able to share leadership, at yeah. being able to hold each other accountable when we're not stepping up in a nature that supports the overall business goals and the human goals. Mm. So this whole human piece is vital to the future. And any leader who does not see that as important is going to mm. struggle. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're, you're one, you're inspiring me right now. Like, <laughs> and I, and I study this work and shout out to Allison. Who's like, yes, so true. The robots took over and now we're seeing the change and she is saying preach Cheryl. So she's feeling everything that you're saying right now. And, you know, I think for, for me, you know, as someone that's building an organization and it, I think this idea that you have to control people and control everything is going out the window as well. So I want to show love to my brother, Mike Gates. He's saying, what is the most important thing a leader can do to meet the needs of their staff virtually? So Mike is actually an educator for one of the top schools in Austin, Texas. And Austin. I think this is a really relevant question. What are your thoughts on this, Cheryl? Well, I think it's about connection. So I think with, you know, with virtual, a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind. And I think what's really critical is that we prioritize mm. vi video connection on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, as a leader, not like not just having your weekly team meetings, which a lot of leaders are doing, but I'm talking about depending on the size of your team and the scope of your team, daily one on ones with your team members and simply wow. to say, how are you doing? Yeah. What are you what are you challenged with right now? Or even having the ability because you can see them on video saying, you know what, you look like you could use a day away from just take a day. Yeah. Take a day. Don't worry about productivity or where we're at. That that empathetic recognizing that everybody's dealing with the current reality in their own very private, personal way. Yeah. So I would say consistent virtual video connection, human mm. to human, checking in. How are they doing? How can you help? What resources mm. do they need? I think that's a critical piece of what's going on right now. And because I think yeah. because we, we've all gone vir virtual and remote, it's easy not to find the human and human connection. It's easy not to check in. And I actually, I, what I'm scared of too, Cheryl, is that because everyone is embracing remote work culture now, a lot of organizations are still going to be the same. They're never <laughs> going to change their culture though, to be more good empathetic, comment. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good comment. Well, I think what's happening, here's what we're noticing in the last few weeks with our clients is that the leaders mm. who are not being empathetic, they're having their workers, their workers are disengaging. So that's, that's an wow. immediate reflection. The other part is the, the leaders who have embraced remote work and saying, actually, when we come back post pandemic, we're actually going to yeah. create a remote work policy. So wow. right now you've got two different kinds of companies. You've got companies that were already remote and they've had no adoption whatsoever because they were already ready. They had the yeah. technology, they had the security, they had the systems, they had the job descriptions, they had the measurements, you know, the KPIs, they had all that. But for a lot of companies, this forced them to go remote. Mm. So um, you're right. The behaviors of, of an organization to go virtual, now you have leaders who are used to seeing what's being done and measuring performance based on what was seen and being done. Yeah. But to your point earlier of, you know, you've always known as a leader that controlling is not the future. Yeah. Well, vir virtual work is you're not controlling, you're actually facilitating the wisdom of the people that are working on your team. Mm. So the other thing we're seeing is the workers who are not adaptable to remote, because not everybody's suited to virtual or remote. It's not, it's not across the board, but th there are skills development that are needed to be very successful at remote and virtual. So we're yeah. seeing workers who are struggling because of the new remote reality. I've had workers um, text me, message me, email me and say, I really miss my team in person. Yeah. 
you know, and so it depends on your personality, but I don't see the future where it's all virtual. I think we're going to see a future of hybrid. Yes. But now that that we know that virtual is possible, we're going to have to see leaders do virtual better than how it's been done before. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you. You know, Mike is saying, Soft skills equal essential, but I think he means to say human skills equals essential because we're not calling them soft anymore, Mike. Shout right, out to exactly. Cheryl for that. Exactly. <laughs> Mike no is also soft. saying he <laughs> no more soft. <laughs> Mike is also saying he loves what you're sharing, uh, Cheryl. He's totally aligned with it. Delano, who is a Microsoft brand ambassador, he's saying, I believe the future is to see an increase in employee-owned companies which should lead to longer stay with the company because now the outcome of the company is dependent both on the leader of the company and the owner of the company, the employees, and thus affects income, outcome, and distribution of it for everyone. What are your thoughts on that, Cheryl? Yeah, we've done research that's proven that that's where we're heading. However, there's a lot of organizations that are not structured or ready to make that happen. At all. (laughs) Right. But we are going to see it with newer companies. So for tech startups, um, you know, any startup right now, they they have the benefit of of starting the company from the ground up that it's it's Mm -hmm. employee owner owned. Right. So, yes, that's true. But for traditional organizations, and trust me, we've been consulting with traditional and, you know, those that are digitally mature and then startups as well. So we've got the range. Traditional organizations still haven't wrapped their head around that ownership mm. piece, and they're they know that it's part of the future. So we're going to see we're going to see sort of um, gradations of ownership. So right now, what we're seeing is organizations investing in helping everyone have fundamental leadership skill. Right. Mm. So you can't, to me, saying that you're an owner and having the leadership ability to make strategic decisions, like there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes in there, right? Mm. So being an owner does invest you in the company. Absolutely. Because if I own the company that I'm working in, then I'm going to probably work at a higher level and I'm going to have more vested interest in the success of that company. Mm. But there's, there's all sorts of variations to that concept. So I would agree with the, the, the viewer's comment for sure. And if you, the newer the company, the easier it is to set up and implement. The more traditional organization, they're looking at ways they can do that um, in the near term, that's going to help them keep their employees engaged and retained, retain them mm. for longer, for sure. Mm. So yeah. Mike actually was suggesting that we should actually rebrand soft skills to essential skills. Well, that's what I've been on the mission of. If you look at my, link, <laughs> if you look at my LinkedIn article, I have an article that says, and actually Jeffrey Weiner said, I think a year ago we need more soft skills, and I said mm. to Jeffrey Weiner, let's stop calling them soft skills. Let's mm. call them essential human skills. I've been on the mission of that for a long time. <laughs> if you'd like to join my mission, that's awesome. I'm all aboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you heard it here first, Mike. Join <laughs> Cheryl's mission. So Megan is definitely feeling you. We have to definitely build a hybrid work environment. So I want to yeah. talk and dive deep a little bit on your most recent book, Next Mapping. And maybe we'll even talk a little bit about your next upcoming book because I'm really <laughs> excited to hear more about it. But, you know, I've read Next Mapping. I think it's phenomenal work. What I love about it is how concise and clear you are in terms of communicating what's going on right now, right? The agility that we're seeing with top companies, but more importantly, how a lot of these top companies are now thinking about what's next. Like how do we want to embrace remote, but what are the new types of So I want you to share a little bit about some things that you mentioned in Next Mapping. So when when we wrote the book Next Mapping, it was all about, um, so Next Mapping, the whole brand is around not just the future, looking into the future, but looking at what's now. Mm -hmm. And how do we get to the future? So that's what makes us unique. Um, we're not, you know, we are futurists in that we do look to future trends. 
but we're actually pragmatists and consultants in mm. how do we get there. So that, I just want to make sure that that's clear right off the bat. But some of the things we talk about in the book are, are specific models. So we've got the WOW model with instead of the SWOT. A lot of people are familiar with the SWOT model, mm. you know, uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. The WOW model is what's working, what are our opportunities, what's next. Mm. And the reason we created the WOW model is we find there's less value on focusing on what's not working and more value on finding what is working within the company and then using that to crowdsource, data source, and mind map potential futures. So that's mm. next mapping is all about taking what's working now doing data mining through crowdsourcing, AI, employee sourcing, all those things. And then from there, gathering a picture, a dashboard, if you will, of where you are now and the potentials for the future. Then we look at all those potential opportunities for the future. So anybody watching this, you can do this for yourself. Uh, we created the Next Mapping Workbook, which is now available on Amazon, where people can walk through it by themselves and, and actually use it as a planning model. Organizations can use it. Leaders mm. can use it. Uh, in the book, and some people have, can even use it for career planning. Um, yes, absolutely. And we've had people use it for that purpose as well. Um, and in the book, we also talk about the predict model. So mm -hmm. no one has a crystal ball. Nobody knows, but we can sort of look at patterns. Yeah. And then once we recognize those patterns, we can sort of see, for example, a pattern would be social behavior right now. Yeah. So social behavior, some people are following the protocols of social distancing. Others are saying, no, not going to do it. So there's no wrong or right. It's more about what's happening with people and yeah. how do we take that data of what's happening with people and overlay our company's offerings into that. Hmm. So for us at Next Mapping, it's about helping leaders, teams, entrepreneurs, companies look at what they are already really successful at, help them build on that, and then look to ways to meet the future before it arises. And a lot of that means preparing people with the skills that make them future ready. So flexible mindset, yeah. uh, creative mindset, talk about that in the book, you know, the creative mindset, um, the ability to share power without feeling uh, you know, ego and having that leader be all about themselves. Hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a book that I was very passionate to write because I wanted to ensure that I provided resources and tools that could be applied immediately so that people could go and use them versus having to rely on a coach or a consultant or anything <laughs> of that nature. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things I loved about the book is that you talked about the shift from me to we leadership. Yes. Yes. Right. And we're seeing a resounding uh, amount of companies who are successful because they have we leaders. Right. So I think about That's the right. Satya Nadella's, the Jeff Wieners and the, the Brian Chesky's yes. of the world. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So when we say me to we, um, you, you sort of look through the history of leadership. And mm. in the 80s, it was sort of where the, the 80s and 90s was still very much the autocratic sort of baby boomer established style of leadership, mm. which was command and control. Now, yeah. by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. That was a necessary style of leadership for those times because the structures were, oh, I just lost my earbud. Hold on. I just, lost my, just lost my AirPod Pro there. It's live, people. <laughs> um, what was I saying about me to we? Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. You're gonna have command to command and control here. leadership. Command and control. Thank you. Excellent. So when with command and control, it worked. But now, in I would say since the two thousand, like since two thousand, the year two thousand, hmm. people have been pushing back against command and control. I mean, you say to yep. somebody, "Do this, or you're fired," and they're pushing back, going like, "I don't want to. I don't want to work for somebody who's autocratic." who no. pretends to know more than me, but actually may or may not know more than me. I mean, mm. that's been a lot of the pushback. So the Me To We leadership has been a, a movement towards what I said earlier in this live uh, episode, which is 
having the the humility, the humbleness, as Brene Brown would say, the authenticity mm. to realize that although we're leaders, we don't have all the answers. And in fact, any single leader who claims to have the answers today is dangerous. <laughs> so so we true. need to be looking at leadership through, yes, we each bring value, we each bring power, mm. but we also have to look at who else brings value and how we can bring that shared leadership together towards a we response. And mm. research has shown that workers want to work in an environment where they have a voice, where they have a say, mm. uh, where they can um, impact the future. And let's face it, mm. as human beings, let's take leadership out of it. As human beings, what gets us up in the morning is we all fundamentally at our very core of our being want to make a difference. We want to contribute. We do. And from that place is where the need to we leadership is very, very powerful. If I, as a leader, can tap into your desire to contribute, then I'm going to have more empowerment, engagement, and desire for you to work with me versus me saying, this is the way I've done it, and this is the way you need to do it. That's not that's not inspiring. It's it's mm -hmm. simply bottling, bottlenecking energy of other people who have value to bring. Mm, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Danielle is saying this is a great idea. And I, I mean, I'm sure many people in our comments are currently feeling this. Shout out to Wale, who is a fintech entrepreneur. She, He's saying, Cheryl, this is an informative session. You are speaking to my soul. Oh, <laughs> and Edward, is, Edward is also saying she knows her onions, loving the discussion. <laughs> Awesome. Shout, shout out to Edward. I love that analogy. So, you know, so give us a sneak peek, Cheryl, on what are you going to be talking about in your next book, right? Because you, you mentioned you're going to be touching a little bit on the on the fact that leaders need to have human skills now. What what else and what, what kind of what's inspiring this next book? What's inspiring it is my true love for humanity. I know that mm. sounds like a big inspiration, but really I have always had high faith in humanity. I feel, you know, I've been a leader myself since the age of 23. Mm. I feel that that it's been my calling my entire life to help people, support people, mm. grow people, uh, inspire people. That's what I'm here to do. So this book was inspired from the last book because when I wrote Next Mapping and I was talking about the digital, I had a lot of people say, you know, Cheryl, because of the Next Mapping book, I'm not feeling so afraid about the future. I'm actually feeling more excited wow. and more in more in alignment with what I can bring. So the new book is going to be all about why the human, the future is very human. Why mm. even though we're going to have a rise of automation, digital, digitalization. Uh, auto, uh, uh, robotics, all those things that are part of the digital transformation, what's going to be needed is people that are more human than ever before. Mm. And I'll talk about what that means. So spelling out the human attributes beyond what is already out there. So it's beyond emotional intelligence. It's beyond spiritual intelligence, which I do talk yeah. about as well. It's really about what does it mean to be human to human in a way that's going to move the planet forward and to use Peter Diamandis's language where each of us is connected to a moonshot, either our own or we're attached to someone else's so that we're all feeling like we're contributing human to human to make the world a better place. And that's not, I'm not saying that from rose colored glasses. I'm saying it's a very doable, mm. achievable mission when we focus on people first. And so yeah. that's just a snapshot of what's to come with the next book. That's going to be huge. It's going to be, you know, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, I'm super excited. And I think that now more than ever, do we need people talking about how do we create, a, you know, actually quoting Peter Diamandis, abundance, right? Because, you know, that type of future is an abundant future where people all feel as if they're a part of a collective intelligence that's making the world a better place. 
Absolutely right. And Peter Diamandis, he, he's, I've been a follower of his for a long time. Ray Kurzweil, yeah. uh, Singularity University, the, that's my jam. They're, they're all, you know, <laughs> and, and they're, they're all very future focused. And what I love about Peter, even now, anybody watching, if you haven't checked out futureloop.com, please do. Future Loop is Peter's latest crowdsourcing platform where it's getting everybody from non-expert to expert to weigh in on the impact of the coronavirus. And he's doing a, a prime example of, of crowdsourcing at its finest on how we're taking the intelligence of a spectrum of people and mm. leveraging that intelligence for future. So I would say anybody watching, please go check out futureloop.com. Um, you know, the, the collective is what we need to be focused on right now. Mm. When you talk about abundance, again, going back to the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of, of in addition to command and control, it was smash and grab all yeah. for myself. Um, if I'm successful, who cares about anybody else? That was sort of like the generalized thinking. And I'm generalizing here. Not everybody would would agree with this. But I'm saying that there was a there was a cultural vibe of protecting your own, not mm. willing to share. And yeah. I think what we've seen, you know, since the 2000s is we've seen that sharing is actually abundant. When we share, we exponentially grow potential, not mm. just, you know, open source is a great example of that, right? So the young boy who open sourced the technology for that strap that goes behind the uh, the face mask of, of healthcare workers, excellent example. He, he 3D printed it. He open sourced mm. the technology. Anybody can go and 3D print that. So that's abundant. Nobody's mm. thinking of it of how much money can I make? They're looking at it as how do we abundantly make things available? So um, money, obviously, we all run businesses. We have to have you know revenues and we have to grow the business. But if the business is focused on, on only the business's gain or for the benefit yeah. of the business, that is not the future. So the future is sustainable, yeah. is what we're doing good for the environment. The future mm. is, is equal. Do we have diversity? cultural diversity, gender diversity, uh, opinion diversity, personality diversity. These are crucial components to that abundant we future. In the past, it was only the relegated fortunate few could have all the abundance. No, that's not true in the future. The, the abundance is available for everyone who's willing to focus on this inspirational future of me to we and mm. willing to contribute their gifts and services for the good of the overall. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. So Megan is saying shout out collective intelligence. <laughs> and Danielle is thanking you for sharing that amazing resource in Future Loop. And Delano is saying, I think we need to remember freedom from command and control, the Toyota system for service organizations. Toyota allowed employees to solve problems as they arise in the car versus using an information center, which Ford was using at that time for solving problems. Toyota learned manufacturing from Ford and made it better by empowering employees to make decisions on the assembly line, something to remember in history. Well, they actually practiced Amazing. something called Kaizen, which is all yep. about continuous improvement. So yes, yep. that was, which is, Kaizen is a piece of collective intelligence, me to we. Mm. Yeah. So yes, that's a good point from, from the viewer. Thank you. And it's a great leadership style too. So Kaizen leadership, it's something that I've actually studied and I fell in love with over time. You know, with that said, you know, Cheryl, you know, where can our lovely audience find more about your work and connect with you as well? <laughs> well, find me on LinkedIn for sure, because I'm on <laughs> LinkedIn. So my name's there. You can find me and I'd love to join you there. Uh, our website is nextmapping.com. And I have a YouTube channel, uh, Cheryl Cran as well, where we post regular videos on a lot of the things that we talked about here. And I'm on Twitter and all the places that you can find uh, anybody hanging around. And She's my books, 
my books are available on Amazon and all booksellers as well. Yes, and definitely get Next Mapping. Get Next Mapping as well as get The Art of Change Leadership, which is an amazing, amazing book. And be on the lookout for her next book, which is coming soon. Do we have a title yet for that, Cheryl? I'm not sharing it yet, but not yes, yet. I do. I do. <laughs> In yes. case anyone tries to steal it, no yes. stealing Cheryl's next book title. So exactly. she's not sharing it yet, but definitely follow her on LinkedIn, Twitter, where she'll probably be announcing it soon when the time is Absolutely. right. And more importantly, if you are interested in being a guest or sponsoring the Unleashing the Future of Work series, check out our website, utfow.com, utfow.com. And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Cheryl, you have been truly amazing and you brought abundant energy to this episode. And I think no more importantly that our amazing viewers are going to remember this episode because I think it's one of our best ones yet. Please think about how are you create an abundant generation within your workforce or within how you lead. And more importantly, in times of crisis, how are you showing compassion and really leveraging the human skills that comes to leadership? So thank you so much, Cheryl. Do you have any last words for our amazing community? Oh, you're amazing, Tim. I love your energy. <laughs> love your vibes. Uh, I really enjoyed having this talk with you. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. And with that said, peace, love, and talk to you all tomorrow, Unleashing the Future of Work community. Peace. <laughs> We're